take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page, Couple Synergy, or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple of celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue we can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Mary and Claudio. You got it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's, it's it's terrible when I you know butcher someone's name, right? But I grown up grown up with my name being butchered for years and years. I, I saw that on <laughs> the way over, <laughs> and uh, we were trying to figure out exactly how to say it. But but I I understand where you're coming from because my last name is Sainashi with a Z. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. were trying to figure that out, right? Mm. Right, right. Yeah. Sain and. Say Nashi. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Say Nashi. This is a That's pioneering cool. episode. It is. Because you guys are first couple. We actually met online and we haven't met you until today. That's you guys are awesome. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Thank thanks you. for being in the uh, Jaxie's pub. It's nice. <laughs> it's very welcoming. <laughs> oh, and also this is being recorded video. So it's also oh, going to yeah. be on YouTube. It's be on so YouTube you can watch us. as well. So you can see uh, our facial expressions when Gene and I banter. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. We don't do that. <laughs> you don't banter no. at all? Oh, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start digging, Gene. <laughs> all right. So, you know, before we get to your story, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? What do you guys do for a living? Ladies first. All right. I am 38. Well, I'll be 38 next month. And I have two avenues of work. One is what I like, like I said earlier, what I like to call my muggle job. It's the grind, the Monday through Friday. I work for a medical distributor. No. And um, primarily customer service. And it's near to home, quick, you know, five minutes to and fro. And then weekends early morning what i call the witching hour between four and six and then after work i do the six house which is the coaching the shadow coaching and holistic wellness coaching which you'll be able to hear more about on our monday episode because we are also going to highlight you as ask our ask ask our expert oh that's awesome Mm -hmm. yay me and you (laughs) (laughs) so i'm uh 41 and uh for my day job I do uh, roadway maintenance so I'm out in the roadways and uh, 
that's that's what pays the bills and and the rest of the stuff is uh essentially martial arts related and in information uh related with regards to martial arts so all sorts of concealed carry mixed martial arts yeah i'm obsessed with all of it i love it i've never met anyone who's into that that isn't also obsessed with it (laughs) (laughs) it seems to be you're either really passionate about it or you don't know anything about it yeah Yeah. that sounds about right so we have swords and Oh. oh, crazy knives and all well, sorts of cool things all over. You haven't Uh-oh. seen my den, actually. <laughs> oh, I, I look now. forward to seeing <laughs> that. <then. laughs> so can you guys tell us a story of how you met? Yes. I think you should start that story. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, we met online. Simple enough. Um, what app? Uh, we met on Plenty of Fish. Okay. Yeah. So... For me, it was uh, kind of being tired of the same old, same old and not having the opportunity to really get to the core. And so when I was online and uh, I was scrolling through and I was like, whoa, I'm like, what, what's, what's, what's this girl about? And she just captured me and uh, I sent her, I read her entire bio. And I was like, wow, she sounds amazing. Like right up my alley, exactly what I'm looking for. And uh, I sent her, I sent her a message and, uh, and she responded back. And that was, I believe on a Sunday. Well, when we started talking, it was on, was it Sunday? Well, so it was Sunday. (laughs) So we talked all day and then we got together for our first date on Monday night. And then again on Tuesday night. And then again on Saturday night, and basically we were inseparable. It since just then. clicked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We hear this a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do. <laughs> it, it was for me. It was really nice to be able to um, kind of explore in a way before you start with the whole dating and everything else to mm-hmm. kind of figure out if this person is aligned with what your core values are. And so I think at first it was kind of like I read everything and I was like, wow, this is great. Let's see if it's real. Mm -hmm. Test, test, test. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it was a lot of just seeing if (laughs) if she uh, carries herself in the same way that she exhibited. Yeah, presented on her bio and she did. And here we are. Had you been on uh, dating sites prior to Plenty of Fish? I I did, but not very long. It Uh was only a couple of months. So I just got, like I said, I got fed up with the, you know, real world, you know, Hey, let's get together. And then it falls through or what it was just, I think it was a a time saver as I was working towards a lot of my stuff and it just made it a little bit more realistic in terms of getting to know someone, Mm -hmm. you know, streamlined it. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a convenience factor. And then I met her and I was like, wow, she's amazing. Cool. So what was your experience? This is where it's it's kind of funny. So as the universe would have it, that night that he messaged me, I was closing my account. Oh. We've heard that before <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so that's not unique. That's, that's good. Um, I had been on and off for maybe two years of different sites here and there. And I feel like... I was just tired, you know, I was tired and he had, 
what I like to lovingly poke at him, not the best profile. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think it was the worst profile. I didn't say it was the worst. (laughs) I could not see his face, and he's got an amazing face. Mm. He's so handsome, and he's just so... Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I couldn't see his face. The pictures were dark. There weren't that many. Um, I smirked when he talked about my profile because it was literally as many characters. It was Was a mile long. As allowed. It was long. (laughs) And his was kind of short. And I kind of was like, "Mm, I I don't know. But why not? Because the message was so genuine and so emotionally intelligent that I was like, right the fuck on. I can do this. Okay. Ooh, ooh, what did he say? I don't even remember at this point. I really don't. (laughs) But I I remember feeling that, like, wow, Uh he... And he he talked about... Which is really difficult to come across in a few words. Right. And it it wasn't... There's no tone. There's no mm -hmm. body language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was really impressionable. Um, He did talk about being a gentleman, a savage gentleman, which, oh, yeah. So there was that, but it was, it was also, it was also inquisitive. So he he had questions to ask in very small space. I'd say it was maybe a paragraph long, but it grabbed me. Mm-hmm. You know, enough for me to say, you know what? I'm giving you my phone number. Let's take this to text because I'm closing down my my page. And Apparently, you didn't need it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. Cool. And you took a chance. Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys know you were a couple? <laughs> well, I'm not sure exactly how we knew that we were a couple. It was just spending time together and and feeling that energy that it was like home. You know what I mean? That it was in the right place with the right person and that our goals and our life philosophies and many of our experiences were very much aligned and so you know in terms of looking at things as a couple the way we talk about it is traveling on a journey and having your companion and so we looked at one another and was like is this going to be a good companion for my journey and the answer was unequivocally yes for both of us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly how long that took. It was probably a couple of weeks before we realized that there was some really great potential there and that we weren't going to be seeing other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't really have a conversation about it? or We did. Mm-hmm. It was right around a week and a half or two weeks. We didn't ask. Each of us just said, I'm not... I'm not online. I'm not talking with anyone. I was already offline. Mm -hmm. But, of course, there's that trickle where people are still reaching out to you that you've talked with or whatever. And at that point, we'd both said, we're not not talking with anyone else. We're giving this a real fair shot, and we're going to see how it goes, you know? Cool. Yeah. How long ago was this? We it was just just hit three years on Thursday. Thursday October 10th was three years. October 10th was the Monday we met. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And we have a funny story about that, that Monday we met in. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, so we ended up trying to find an area. I was living in Glen Ellen at the time. Um, and she was still in Roselle. And so we were trying to find an area that was like 50, 50 mm-hmm. that would make it convenient for both of us after work. So we settled on Dave and Buster's 
And so we decided to get there. I, I got there first, and I was sitting at the bar waiting for her. And um, Did you have a little rose in your pocket? I didn't have a rose <laughs> in my pocket. No, no, I did not. Uh, but I was sitting at the bar waiting for her, and I thought I saw someone like walked in and then walked back out. That ended up not being the case, but she ended up calling me uh, just a few minutes after that. And um, I said, uh, I answered the phone. I saw it was her, and I said, hello, gorgeous. And she was like, but, but. You know, like kind of stuttered a little bit. And then she tells me afterwards that she had to call me to make sure that my voice was not. She ended up going on a date with a high talker. And so she was a high talker. A high talker. So, so somewhere like a high pitched voice. Hey. Oh, because you had not spoken to him. Yes, oh, it, was it was just online. online. Oh. It was so, one day. Right. It was right. one one. It was two days, all day Sunday, and yeah. then what Monday. Was, what was going to be your game if he talked like, right. like this? <laughs> well, I was going to be prepared. Okay. You know, this isn't, yeah. I wasn't prepared the one time I had a bad experience, and he saw that I wasn't prepared, and there was this, so, yeah. So wow. I just wanted to know. Sure. And his sure. voice was. Baritone, nice. Like works. marmalade, you know, it's just, mm, yummy. See, that's very interesting because there are a lot of studies about about pitch of mm-hmm. voice, mm-hmm. right? And how couples are attracted to uh-huh. the actual like frequency yeah. of, of vocal cords. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. We were listening to Greg Braden yesterday and he quoted HeartMath. I don't know if you're familiar with HeartMath. They do a lot of science around how our heart works in terms of emotional connection. And, and connection like with the brain, like yeah. brain and heart mm-hmm. connection. Biofeedback yeah. stuff. And he said that it takes 180 seconds for a human being to be in the space of another human being and know if that's their life partner. Mm-hmm. And we hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting thing mm-hmm. that we're like, yep, I, I know. I'm not sure if I would agree with that, to be completely honest. Yeah. Like, you may get a feeling of mm-hmm. that, but I feel like you get to learn. Like, people only present themselves in the image that they want you to mm-hmm. perceive them in. They'll only let you in is what they want you to see. Oh, it's not about anything they show you. No, no. It's about what your heart senses. Uh, it's all subconscious. And then he says, right. he says that people that are not life partners might not feel that truth for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But that people... Because you know, they talk them, themselves out of it. Yeah. They use mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's 100% true. It, I don't know. I think once we started, it was absolutely like that. Yeah. You you know, the thing is that we hear this a lot about Mm -hmm. couples. They just click immediately, Mm -hmm. right? That connection there. And they can't really put their finger on it. Why? This person versus another person, Mm -hmm. right? But then also we talked to people who have divorced and they said, I knew it from the beginning, but I didn't trust myself. Mm -hmm. Ah, Which is interesting. So you guys clicked right away. Yeah. So how did how did that happen? I'm going to tell you. So he, the when I saw him in person when he came to the door of the restaurant, I was floored. I was floored. And this is a story that my coworkers and my family know. He knows it too. But again, I didn't see any photos that gave true representation of what he looked like. All I knew was that he was very articulate, very emotionally intelligent. And those things made my, made my heart flutter. That kind of connection, mm-hmm. that kind of like, I can, I can have a conversation with someone who cares about what I'm saying 
and I'm, re I'm receiving what he's saying. And that's big for me. And then he walked to the door and I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> hey now, handsome. So the whole package, it was, it was great. And then this is going to sound strange or maybe not, but reaching across the table when we finally went to the table to eat and he was holding my hands and I was like, these are my hands. These are my hands. Wow. On a first date. Oh, yeah. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> Hell no, I didn't. No, but, but I mean, like, reaching out oh, and holding oh, each did. other's hands yes. on a first date. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there, I mean, it didn't, it, there wasn't Here much more than that. <laughs> there yeah, wasn't much more than that. But that, that was significant to me. Mm -hmm. Even my mm -hmm. receiving that, my body allowing me to receive that was, was an important factor to me because my head was all sorts of <laughs> what's going on right now and, and from my experience when i first saw her and i gave her a compliment i said well you you're very pretty and she said thank you and laughed and her reaction to it was like a song on my heart it was like yeah so it just it just clicked one mm -hmm. thing after another and it just mm -hmm. everything just felt right you know who said i love you first that was me. <laughs> that was me. How, how long into the relationship? I think it was a, maybe a couple months in. Yeah. Something, something was, like that. It was a couple months. Mm -hmm. About that. So it, it was just something that was like, it wasn't anything that I was going to fight, you know, in terms of expressing, but it, the feeling was there and I wasn't like trying to rush anything, but it just, I just wanted to let her know it. And mm -hmm. that was that. So I wasn't expecting anything in return or anything, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of um, how it was going to play out. But I just wanted to express myself. And so your relationship progressed pretty quickly mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. a couple months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you were a single mom. Mm -hmm. Two boys. Did you have any concerns about that? And how did you introduce your kids? I, I did. And then with him, I didn't. So there's, it was another one of those things like, wait, what is going on right now? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so the little one at the time was four. And Three. Mm, well, he just turned, maybe he was three. Well, I don't know because it was October and he just turned seven. No, he was four. Was he? Oh, he just yeah, turned I think four. you're right. He had just turned four. His his birthday's in August, and we met in October. So he just turned four. And my eldest had just turned 17. And um, so he would he would come... He, you met Louis first, right? Yes. It's, it all blends in weird. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So I'm a, I'm a moon thumper. I love full moon nights like tonight. This is amazing that mm -hmm. we're here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So he met Lewis in November. So it was a month and a half after we started dating. He took Lewis and I to go take pictures on this mountaintop with the full moon. And what it, mountaintop? Well, it's a it's a hilltop. Or a hilltop. Yeah, yeah that's what I meant. Four Lakes and Lyle. <laughs> okay. So yep. there's a nice ski hill up mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Cool. So well, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then so he. He met Lewis that way, but Lewis would go in and out. He's a teenager, school, go to his dad's house. He was not always there. He would come over after Fabi was sleeping, mm -hmm. the little one, or when he was with his dad. And we, we just managed it that way until 
don't know. Maybe th- October. Maybe right, right, right around three, three months. months. And then he would come over during the day, but he wouldn't stay over. Mm-hmm. And that didn't last for very long. That was maybe a month of that. And then we were all together all the time. Yeah, yeah he, he came downstairs one night, I think, when he wasn't able to sleep or something. And he came downstairs and I hadn't really even met him yet. So the first time I met him, he just like ran up and curled up in my lap. I'm like... <laughs> uh, wow. You know, yeah. So it like it almost made me cry. You know, I was yeah. like, "Whoa, this is crazy." You know. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah. After that, had was... he heard of you yet? Like, yes. Okay. Yes. So it's not like the strangers in the house, <laughs> no, right? No. <laughs> okay. I, I, mean, I think that Alec had a similar experience. Yeah, for, it was you. like our first real date. Yeah. 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 It was. It was a. It was a strange place. You mm-hmm. know. It was. It was new. In the sense that it felt so normal mm-hmm. and there wasn't worry, you know, mm-hmm. um, both of them had met other people in passing, but it wasn't the same, you know, it wasn't really, I'm going in and this is shame on me, maybe a little bit, but it wasn't, I'm going into something with, with someone who I think this is. This is the person. This mm-hmm. is my person. So they felt the difference also. I think right so. Right from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was awesome. Very cool. So where does your relationship go from there? You know, first two months, boom. It's like mm-hmm. you guys are together a lot, and then what? Well, we spent pretty much every minute that we could together, mm-hmm. uh, and um, we just started to kind of build from there and hanging out with the kids and doing things together. And then it came down to a point in time where, um, my apartment that I was living in, the lease was going to need to be either renewed or it was not. Done. What was your feeling about her kids? I, I thought they were great. Did you know she had kids before you started dating her? She told me, yeah, okay. we, we talked about all of that. Um, and you were, that was not an issue for you? No, no. I'd like, I'd like to he- say that out loud because a lot mm-hmm. of women think that if they have kids, guys are not going to be interested, but I think a lot of guys are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think, um, in terms of kids, it depends on who you are, you know, um, for me, I've been around kids because of coaching and because of like the volleyball comp- competitive volleyball that I did for almost 20 years and and all that stuff. So I've always been like a coach as well. Mm-hmm. So that makes it a little bit easier for me to um, kind of transfer that over to dealing with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little bit easier for me. Um, so it just depends on who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think honestly, if you really, I, I feel like in terms of speaking of that topic, sometimes women spring that on their partner after they've spent some time with them. I think you're better off telling people right up front front, yeah Yeah. and just saying hey look this is my situation and let them figure it out because if they don't want to hang out after Mm -hmm. finding out that you have kids they're not the right person anyway so yeah what's the point of going through it all until you get to there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah so um so essentially it, it just came down to the point where i was like hey listen you know like this is where it's at in terms of the lease agreement or whatever. So what do you want to do? Do you want to, should I renew my lease or do you want to give it a go? Or like, how do you want to work it out? And we sat down and talked about it and we came to the conclusion that we wanted to give it a shot and see 
how everything goes. And so that was it. I moved in. I think it was about four months in or so. No. No. Was it, it was longer? Eight, it was like six months later. Okay. Well, so we went through all of October, November, December, January. It was like April, wasn't it? Or March? It was April. Okay. Like six or seven months. That's okay. still, that's that pretty fast. quick. Yeah, it's oh, pretty yeah. quick. Right? So, <laughs> yes. But it, it, was, it just came to that, yeah. to that crossroads where it was like, okay, like, and I told her, I said, it's okay. Like, if you're not ready or whatever, that's mm -hmm. totally okay. But if you are ready, now would be a good time to speak up about that and mm -hmm. say, you know, yeah, let's give it a go or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so either way it would have been okay with me at the time because I didn't really have like, I don't know. It felt really nice. I was just going with the flow of everything that was happening. Everything felt very natural. So nothing was forced and it was just kind of like mm -hmm. we go with it and see what happens and be honest with each other. And uh, yeah, it worked out great. Yeah. Did you have any concerns about moving into her place? No, I don't think so. I think for me, um, it, it it's not really about like whose place it is or whatever it's about like what's happening in the situation and how we can better our situation as a unit right right so it didn't matter i mean if i would have had a bigger place mm -hmm. she would have been moving in they would have been maybe moving in with me or whatever mm -hmm. but that wasn't the case so it just made sense i'm glad you said that because we're actually working with a couple right now where you know, he gave up his place, moved into her place, and these are places that they owned, right? They mm -hmm. moved into her place, and he's feeling this loss of things that mm. he had, right? Mm. So, and, and they're having a hard time kind of making it our place, mm. right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what you're talking about, is making the, the us. Yes, right? and, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, a, as a couple, when when I came in and moved into her home, mm -hmm. you know, essentially, um, she, she made it very inviting for me. Like there were certain things there, it wasn't like there was all these rules in play and it wasn't like, like we were both working together as a, as a unit to make things better, mm -hmm. to better yeah. our furniture, to better our, I mean, whatever, all that stuff was just to make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, so I never felt like she was like, well, this is my place and you're moving into my place and it's my place. Mm -hmm. She never made me feel that way. Yeah. So, but every couple is different. Every situation mm -hmm. is different. So, you know, that might be something to consider. If maybe well, I, I think that's really the only way that it works. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, really. I agree. Yeah. Otherwise you gotta, if you're going to move in together, you got to get a new place. Yeah. 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 Not into one place or another, but a new place altogether. Mm -hmm. what, that was what kind of, of thoughts were you having? Yeah, yeah. That was a little a little bit of mine so i had a little resistance to us not find or like i felt a little of course i wanted him that's why it happened mm -hmm. and i had talks with both of my children and that was everything was great but do you remember babe i was like i just feel like you know i want it to be your place too like i want it to be ours and i wasn't sure it wasn't that i could not make that happen it was more worry and concern again we're six months in mm -hmm. is he going to feel that this is ours mm -hmm. and so i there was a little bit of a hmm what do, how do we make how do we maybe we should move in a new place altogether you yeah, know yeah. and then we talked finances and and you know all of the grown-up stuff and we just decided that a year into where we're at would be ideal and we could figure it out later and it there was no there was no weird 
friction. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. Did you guys do anything specific to make it feel like it was in us? The place? We fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when he, you Well, like in, for us, yeah. yeah we, you moved into my we place. We repainted the, the bedroom. Mm-hmm. We redecorated together and we made got it like an mm-hmm. us space. Yeah. But it, it's... Yeah it's your place mm-hmm. like you own it right yeah yep. mm-hmm. okay so that's a little bit different see we, we rent. renting got it so in renting you can't, you can't do really that kind of stuff i mean you can you but can you're gonna buy lose new your butt, sheets you know? and <laughs> we did do that okay yeah so yeah. we bought new sheets uh-huh. and we obviously kept my old ones and his old ones which we use periodically but we bought new bed clothing and we um took out a bunch of my furniture and then and incorporated his furniture into right. the layout of the house. And I did a lot of cleaning out. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was so funny because I'm like, I don't need all this stuff. I love stuff. I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm getting rid of the movies and I'm getting rid of the books that, that we don't watch or don't read. And he's like, no, don't do that. Yeah, because I'm making room for your stuff. stuff. You love stuff stuff too. too. We love stuff. (laughs) And so I did. I'm just like, I'm getting rid of all this shit. Who cares? Let's take his shit in. Yes. We're going to do it like that. (laughs) And it was great. It was so. So your stuff is commingled. Yeah. Yeah. So everywhere you look, it's like you see, again, you see weapons and then you see plants and then you see moon stuff and then you see videography stuff. So it's just. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, it, it's and again that, that goes to speak volumes with regards to our lifestyles and our life philosophies and how great they gel together and mm-hmm. that's very important. Mm-hmm. If you you know if you're focused about the way your place looks, then you may be a little bit more resistant to that change. But if you're focused on the goals that each individual has and how you can support one another, then that whole mingling of stuff doesn't really matter that much. Right. I mean, if it's a complete overhaul, that's a different story, Mm -hmm. but to combine it is like, well, yeah, because I support you along your journey and you support me along mine. Mm -hmm. And so she understands there are certain things that need to be in place for me. Mm -hmm. And I understand there's certain things that need to be in place for her. Mm -hmm. And I love going into her office and it smell all the, like there's like the oils and she has like the incense and she's doing all her stuff and all her books and everything else. And then right there is like a Springfield XD 45 on her desk. You know what I mean? Like she's got yeah. her firearm on her desk along all the other stuff. So it's like, it's great. You know, that's her firearm, but part of me has been incorporated in, in the way she lives mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a really nice mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, I, I really like that because I think too much today we try to, not hold our own separate space Mm -hmm. and cherish those differences. And we try to merge and blend too much where both people get lost. I know we did an episode on why we disagree with compromise. (laughs) Right, right. Well, (laughs) you compromise too much of yourself, right? You compromise Mm -hmm. your values and everything in order. And and I call it collapsing within a relationship, Mm. right? Where you just kind of give in to your partner in a place where you really shouldn't. You lose your identity. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's a real sacredness in knowing yourself and how you express that in the world. And to lose that, whatever that thing is, is I think that's really sad. And I don't think that, I think relationships are about mirroring those things to each other mm-hmm. and, and seeing those edges, which I think are awesome. So that's really cool that you guys live like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what, what kinds of messages did you guys learn about relationships from your past and how did that impact your relationship today? Mm. That's a very heavily loaded question. It really is. It really, really is. Um, 
So I think a lot of people get caught up. And sorry to take the lead on this mm-hmm. one, honey, but I, I feel like a lot of people get caught up in the failures of their past, mm-hmm. and and they get caught up in that like, you know, feeling like they're not meant to find love. They're not meant to um, to heal, mm-hmm. and so. I say that your past actually creates and has created every fiber of who you are today. So if you've obtained self-love and self-acceptance, which most people have not, Mm -hmm. but if you've obtained that, then that's a blessing. And now you can, you know what I mean? As long as you're with the right person that has also obtained that, that can work very well. If, um, sounds like synergy. Yeah, mm. very much so. <laughs> it's very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important because I think a lot of people don't even really know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. They don't really know what self-love means. It's kind of talked about, but unless you're really seeking it out and taking that journey. Um, and so everyone in your past has led you up to this place. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you look at the past and it's like, well, that was screwed up, but look where I am now. Mm-hmm. And if you're happy where you are now, which I am. If you, if you learn from it, you have to right. learn from right. it. If you don't right. learn from it, then you, you get stuck in those patterns that we were talking about earlier. And then it's like a repeating psychosis mm-hmm. where the same thing keeps happening over and over again. And there's no changes made and there's no understanding of how you keep finding yourself in the same situation over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're saying is that you're not supposed to look for your partner to do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> what? You have to do your own work first. I need to write this down. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think I think meeting the wrong partners can lead you to do your work. Yeah, I think that's all part of it. But it's still it. your work. Yeah, it, it mm-hmm. is your work. But Huge. you know, and, and, to really understand that, and sometimes you need certain things to push you and like nudges. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Universal nudges to push you in that direction. And sometimes lessons have to be learned whether it's for you or for them, whatever the case may be. Um, and so I think we both were along those paths of learning a lot of those tough lessons and, and then eventually healing and being able to find that self-love and that self-acceptance. And that's an important thing. If you don't have that, then it's difficult to love another human being. Right. Mm. So. Yeah, I'd say mine would be that same lesson. Just one lesson, one of many getting to the point where I was not going to accept from another person anything that I, I didn't deserve. And, and I went through a lot of this with all types of relationships in my life, particularly romantic, where I was snubbed out. Like my fire was completely taken from me. That, that's not, actually, that's not a fair way to say it. I gave up my fire. Yeah. For someone else to feel comfortable. Mm. Well, we're clearly domesticated to believe we're supposed to do that. A hundred percent. That's a very mm-hmm. common feminine journey. A hundred percent. I was a hundred percent conditioned through a bunch of different things that happened during the course of my life to allow for my dreams and my, my integrity and my fire to just go out so that the other person felt comfortable Mm -hmm. and it it came to the point where when I decided to work on my trauma my childhood trauma and work on myself and in the same thing he said the self-acceptance and the self-love and 
for me, a really big one is self-compassion. And until I started to work on those things, I was not ready to be with another person. And that I learned that through those people. Mm-hmm. That was the lesson. You know? what, what in your life, what work in your life did you do in order to get to the point where you knew that you had to work through your stuff? Because it takes a level of self-awareness and self-esteem to mm-hmm. say, this isn't a normal thing that you're supposed to go through or um, I'm not supposed to feel a certain way about myself. There's something else. And, and I think that work happens before you get to work on the trauma. Um, I don't know that it was work right away. So I'd already been working on myself. I'd already started digging in deep to figure out why I was allowing different things to happen did you learn that through like other relationships where you didn't feel good in them? Oh, a hundred percent. It was relationships in particular. A good example is being put in a position where like, like this psychosis of I'm just gonna, it'd be better next time. It'd be better next time and continue to, or I, I continued to allow people to treat me poorly and make me feel like it was my fault mm-hmm. and make me, feel ashamed of myself and yeah so it was a pattern of those types of relationships and that pattern of the things I was accepting from people married in very well to the way that I felt when I was a kid Mm -hmm. when I was a child and when I noticed that when I realized that there was a very very tight parallel between how I was allowing men to treat me and how I was treated as a child by people in my life, I realized that I had to, to take myself out of that situation and work on my self, self-love and self-respect. That was a big thing for me. I think those are really blurry lines. Yeah. You know, to, to know the difference. Obviously, when you're a child, you don't... The, the way children think is, if, I don't, if I'm not getting the result I want, I should change that we, we really seek and learn through acceptance. Mm-hmm. So if we get the grade we want or we get the experience we want, it's because we did something right. Mm-hmm. So if we're not getting that, we believe we did something wrong. Mm-hmm. So people will think, well, if my parents are getting divorced, it must be my fault. Mm-hmm. Or if they're an alcoholic, it must be me. And so it, there is a level of conscious awareness that happens at some point where you go, maybe this isn't me. And I think that's a really difficult thing and I think some people never get there. Especially if you're getting messages from your primary caregivers, mm-hmm. right? That you are wrong, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. this is what you should be doing because this is right, you know? And it's very hard to trust your gut and know inherently inside what is right for you. Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> the other aspect of that as well is that there's many different parts to us. Mm-hmm. And so it's understanding which part is raising their hand to take over per the particular situation. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was also uh, a trauma, I would call it thriver now, but initially initially I started as a victim Mm -hmm. um, at the age of four, Mm -hmm. and then I was surviving for a long, long time. Uh, And then eventually I got to a point where it was like a 34-year-long storm that finally dissipated and the sunlight 
and the rays shine through the sky. And I looked up at the sky and I said, what the fuck is that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, (laughs) wow, that's amazing. And I've been stuck in that place ever since. Mm -hmm. So the healing process for me was very long, but I think, um, I think a large part of that in terms of learning through your old relationships and, and, um, you know, getting through where you're coming is understanding that something is wrong Mm -hmm. and making the decision that you're going to win. You have to do that early. Do do you remember anything that was like an aha moment after 34 years? Uh, Wow. I mean, my journey was so long, but there was many moments when I beat myself up over things that I did and not understanding why I did the things that I did. And then, you know, having another part of me do certain things and then me have to cope with the consequences of those Mm -hmm. things and not understanding why. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you start to point the finger at yourself and going, there's something wrong with you. You're broken. You're crazy. You're, you know, you're this, you're that. And it's like, yeah, that's, I wasn't crazy, but I was definitely traumatized. And so when you start to kind of look at those things, I think for me, the aha moment is like, kind of like man that was you just almost died so you might want to start to rethink like this these plans these uh strategies are not working in the way that um are most conducive to your survival so i needed that stimuli in order to affect me in a way that i was going to make those changes and start working towards it so did you have an experience where you almost died oh yeah i had a lot of experiences where Mm -hmm. i almost died were you both uh did you both have similar traumas as children and mm-hmm. when did you find out that you both were trauma survivors in their relationship i'd say fairly early on i mean we that that's something that we um discussed fairly outright because again the whole time aspect of it like we didn't want to waste time so it's like we let one another into each other's worlds mm-hmm. early on so that we knew for sure that this person is understanding that yeah i've been there too mm. i'm capable of dealing with certain things that although we've healed there's still going to be the after the post healing things that we yeah. have to cope with battling the demons mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah we we actually had a very similar childhood in a lot of ways mm. in terms of um not having a whole lot, which that's not a problem in and of itself, you know, if there's love and there's tenderness and a lack of neglect, but then there was neglect on both of our, you know, in both of our households, primarily when we were small, we were both raised by, not raised entirely, but our primary caregivers were our grandmothers. Hmm. Um, and then there was the sexual abuse, which I've told you, told Eugene mm-hmm. about. So there's that. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the common. That's the common yeah. trauma. That, yeah. yeah. And um, then we had common ways that we dealt with it. Um, and we had very different ways that we dealt with it as well. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about dealing with it or coping? Um, how, Responding, oh, oh, yes, yes. You know. So the byproduct. So mm-hmm. the adult version of us, the way we presented ourselves to the world and got through it um, without realizing why we were doing the things we were doing. Mm. So, and, and I think both of us had those real, real like potent aha moments in our early thirties, shortly before we met. Mine was a little, um, I had mine 
sooner than he did in terms of when we met. So his mm -hmm. happened shortly before we met. And mine was maybe three years prior where I realized that this is the question we were touching on earlier, and I, my monkey brain led me away from the answer. Um, I realized that the things that I was doing, including allowing people to treat me poorly, were because it, I was conditioned to be that way mm -hmm. when I was younger. And, and I was very angry in my early, earlier part of life, very angry and volatile and put myself in dangerous situations. And my children changed that to a certain degree. But it wasn't until my Saturn return, as I call it, when you, you hit that 29.5, 30-year mark, and you're like, wait a minute, there is more to this. There is more. Why am I suffering so much? Why mm. am I suffering so much? Why am I in this position where... I have a wonderful family. I have tremendously amazing friends. I'm intelligent. I, you know, I'm capable. I'm physically capable of having a great life, but I'm suffering. And there's a lot of sadness and there's a lot of confusion and self-loathing. Why is why am I allowing this? I would not allow my sons to feel this way. I would not or that's not the right. I didn't say that right, but I would not Support them. I would not support them right. to, mm -hmm. yeah. Nowadays, I hear something negative from one of my son's mouths about themselves, and we're quick to correct that. Mm -hmm. And there just came this, this time in, I was probably right around 32, and I was like, wow, this is going to end. Like, people do not get to treat me like this, and I don't get to treat me like this. It was going to end because you were choosing. I was choosing it. Yeah. And there wasn't a aha moment. It was just, what the fuck? It's almost, to me, like a chemistry. You know, like, there was a point in my life, I definitely put an energy out there. I don't know if I had a kick me sign on me or what that was. Mm -hmm. But I, I know that I was treated in a way that was really bizarre, that people would talk to me that way. And then I know today nobody would talk to me that way. Uh -huh. and, and I don't know if that's a, an energy frequency shift or what that thing is, but it's almost a subconscious or energetic thing mm. that happens, you know. And I remember a one profound moment, and I think you guys will both hear me when I say this, for me was when I realized that particularly my dad was not unwilling. He was unable. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that made all the difference to me because it's not like you're sitting here going, you know, if I just could do this and this and this, he would finally bestow on me the acceptance and approval and all mm -hmm. the things that I craved from him. But it was that he had no way to give that to me. He, he was, was in, not equipped incapable. with the tools. Yeah, yeah he yeah. wasn't equipped with the tools. And that's when I knew it wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would agree with you. Um, I think that people in the realms of survivors or thrivers or people that are, that are trying to overcome their hurt, uh, those around, I think if you understand that someone has that type of hurt, like they've come out and they told you, hey, look, I was sexually abused by mm -hmm. so-and-so at this, whatever, that people should do a little time if they care for you mm. to do some research and educate themselves about some of the byproducts that happen from to people from having those types of experiences because um from my family as well i feel like there 
unable because they were unwilling to do the research. Mm. They were unwilling to sit down and be like, okay, so the sexual abuse happened. Like a lot of people want to cope with it. It's like, oh, just get over it. Right. You right. know, but it doesn't work that way. No. And, and not only that is you may actually get over the actual incident, but because of the way the people in your surrounding, it re-traumatizes your, it, you. it, it does yeah. re-traumatize you. And it, it then shines a light on the toxicity mm-hmm. of that actual relationship. They wanted to do the ostrich thing, just yes. bury your head in the sand. Absolutely. And, okay. and when you do that, you're minimizing the person's pain and their hurt. Right. And you're not legitimizing what is happening. Do you, so. do you think most people do that because they haven't dealt with their own trauma? A hundred percent. I think that's definitely part of it. I think the other part of it is shame and guilt mm-hmm. of uh, being, you know, having that association with, mm-hmm. um, well, the shame and guilt is for not doing the work to overcome their stuff. Yeah, but I mean, there's other people that or they didn't not, see it, they, or they didn't they didn't know. Right, they couldn't see the signs. There's definitely like this um, uh, tremendous stigma with mm-hmm. regards to, um, you know, say if it's a family member. Like for example, my abuser was my father's brother, my uncle, and so you know that's an immediate family member mm-hmm. to him. So how is he supposed to deal with? that issue like right. that's a tough issue it in disrupts right. the whole family right. absolutely right. so rather than disrupting the entire family dynamic they decide to just sweep it under the rug and then right. the victim it's a very common once experience again, absolutely yeah. for mm-hmm. most people i yeah. would say it's that way i would even say we live in a time that whatever happened to your uncle to become a person like that you have more resources and more education more awareness to to be supported in, in, mm-hmm. in your journey then unfortunately he probably did, which is really sad, but you know, it's a whole system. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah, if you're the, it's like, you're too loud. Why don't you just, shh, and we'll all be okay again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think that's a commonplace uh, thing from, from people that um, should actually have like a support system in their loved ones. And instead their loved ones turn out to be toxic for the victim, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is not their intention. But that's what happens when you decide to sweep things under the rug. So educate yourself, people. You know, pick up a book. Get on the Google machine. Yeah. Okay. Ask questions. <laughs> Do you guys have any resources that you would recommend for family members? That's been helpful yep. for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. And I can't think of the names right here, right now. Okay. But I will definitely give them we'll to you. We'll put it in the show yes. notes when you, when you get back mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Great. I have some forums, some talk forums. It's all about storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's all about just just talk about it. Yeah. Just talk about with it with someone who's safe. In in a, yes, yeah. in a safe place. Yeah. Yes. Well, I I think uh, one time I was sitting at the uh, dinner table and it was my father and my mother's brother, another uncle, uh, and my father made a com- or my uncle is a police officer and he made a comment about him busting a pedophile, and so my father made this comment about oh if someone did that to my kid but this is after he knew oh wow so yeah just he really compartmentalized it totally absolutely it's just like one of those you know ego yeah ego thing to say that it's like this is separate from this yeah Yeah. and so things like that people got to watch out for stuff like that you can't really say that you know what i mean to say oh if someone did that to my kid or so you know even if you don't know like that's not necessarily true there's very few people out in the world that take like a vigilante stance (laughs) on on you know protecting their kids um you know, I, I had an aunt that committed suicide uh, f- a number of years ago, and her brother 
her her brother and her older sister were all sexually abused by their uncle oh, wow. for a number of years. And uh, the brother killed himself and she killed herself five years later. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it, when you get to that point of, you know, and the parents were, their reaction to it was, well, God will, God will sort it all out. You know, oh. and, and so that's a, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's part of me that agrees with that. Like I get it, but in the same token, like I don't really agree with that because for example like my uncle like i told my entire family back in europe because he's back in romania if he was in the states he he uh, he would have i would he would be gone already mm-hmm. i would have i was in a place in my mind long time ago that i was like before i reached that forgiveness that i was like i would kill him if he was available to me Present, you know? yeah. yeah if he was here so i overcame all of that but you know, it's just, that's just a bitter pill to swallow to like have that mentality of, but you got to understand when you're looking to retaliate in that type of fashion, you're actually creating more trauma for Mm -hmm. yourself and you're attaching that person for long term. Mm -hmm. Like they're never going away. You're the one that's suffering. Absolutely. So that forgiveness, people think it's, you're forgiving that person. No, you're, you're, you're releasing. You're not letting it have power over you. Yes. You're releasing your hurt off of yourself and, and just getting at the you know I just want to yeah. say because there's people out there unfortunately way more than not dealing with this topic mm-hmm. and it's such a painful thing that people do commit suicide over this it's a yeah. really big deal mm-hmm. but you guys are both hope that there's ways to work through that mm-hmm. no matter how much pain you're in and I'm sure you guys have been gobs of pain over this mm-hmm. and that there is hope and there is ways to help yourself and it probably will not be your core family. It will probably not. be outside of no, that. It not. will right. not. Yeah. Even, and and, even and if seek they, help. Yeah. Even if they are willing, which a lot of the times is not the case because the great point that you made, Gene, is that they, they're not equipped with the tools mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there is that shame factor that they, as a, I can't imagine, I, I sent his mother a message one day coming from the perspective of a sexual abuse survivor. At that time, I was I still kind of felt I'm surviving, you know. And as a mother, mm-hmm. the shame. Yeah. She's got to. She's got to. And it made my heart hurt for her, even though there was some estrangement that that happened. You know, I can't imagine that the the core family. They're they're too. Um. They're too personal in that story, yeah. even if they weren't the ones who did it. Right. So, um, but I, there's, I've, I've not talked to my parents in three years Yeah. Okay. because of yeah. their toxicity with regards to how mm-hmm. they deal with, you know, how they treat me with regards to that mm-hmm. and they want to sweep it under a rug and stuff right. and things yeah. of that nature. My father, especially my mom said some dumb stuff last time, mm-hmm. but my father was not altogether with it in terms of those just things completely yeah. denying and. And not supporting, not denying, but like just not healthy. Yeah. You know, yeah. just not sure. healthy, not sure. healthy for me. And it's like, I'm, I'm in a really good place. I, I have an amazing wife. I have amazing children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, it's just not worth dealing with that. It's I'd rather just yeah. push it aside right. and be like, Hey, look, you be over there. I'll do my thing and whatever. I don't know that all families are so ill-equipped as his parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, like, for my family, they're all supportive. My core family, mm-hmm. they're supportive, and they're they're so willing to listen to the to my pain and my 
my was story. your abuser within the family yes there there were a couple and one of them was my maternal grandfather and then there was another that i'll just leave at that okay um and then like i told you guys earlier my parents the people that i call my parents are my maternal uncle so my biological mother's brother mm -hmm. and his wife and they um well my dad i guess he doesn't know as much as my mom he might now after today or after <laughs> <laughs> once it comes out yeah we'll uh, see but um the story's coming out it's it's all over the place now mm -hmm. so it's it's coming um it 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 hit the fan soon but my mom is, is really it, supportive is it part of your story it is yeah so let's just give a little shout out yeah, for that story sure. right yeah. so Mary and I are both in a book called yeah. Overcoming Mediocrity, yeah. which is coming out in December. And it's about uh, women's stories who have overcome a difficult thing in their life to become more. Yeah. You know, fearless and so, women. Fearless women. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be available on our website. Yes. Um, yeah. By. When it comes out. Yeah, when it comes yeah, out. Right. December, January-ish. Yeah. So, you know, and, and like you said, that storytelling and yeah. for other people to, you know, hear your guy's story, you'll hear our tagline at the end that we say we get wounded through relationship yeah. and we heal through relationship. Yeah. And by telling our stories, we can heal. Yeah. And so if there's people out there dealing with this topic, you know, find safe places to get some help. Yes. Because the work works. Yeah, it does. I, I was going to tell you with regards to hope, that that you can you know you said that we're kind of showing people that there's hope that they can overcome mm. the truth of the matter is is that anyone and everyone can overcome mm. you just have to make that choice you have to choose in the beginning mm. that no matter what you're gonna win mm. you're not no gonna matter what you're gonna keep going and you have to figure out every avenue possible so i went through seven years of therapy once i started working on myself and I went through, after the therapy, it was like slow moving. You know what I mean? Understanding how my brain works, understanding the physiology, understanding compartmentalization, understanding dissociative disorder, understanding all those things was very slow. I went through five sessions of Reiki. <laughs> that shit fucking cool. Like, I mean, it, it yes. seriously, it, yeah. it, it really, That's what it, spiritual mm -hmm. aspect. Yeah, what right. what to, it did for me yeah. was um, it allowed me to focus in on the areas that mm -hmm. required the work. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was putting in extensive work, but I was putting it in maybe the wrong areas. Yeah. And so those helped me. And, and the best way I can describe it, if no one's ever done, if you're, if you're out there and you've never tried Reiki and you think it's like a, you know, hocus pocus or whatever, I can tell you this so you can relate to it. Okay. It's like having a mushroom trip without the mushrooms. That's the <laughs> best way I can describe it to you that will help you like better understand if you've ever done mushrooms. I don't know that I would agree with that. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know, but that's what it was like for me. Right. And, uh, it helped me like find my, you know, one way. of the, one of the things that you're talking about, I'm, do energy healing as well. We're, we're both Reiki master yep. teachers, mm -hmm. right? Very cool. Yep. Yes. And you know, you guys know when you go through trauma, it, it stores it, in your body. It ruins right. your brain development. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Right. And so the neuro, the neurons in our brain, our brains are very flexible, but if you don't hold a space like that, how are, you know, and, and what does it require? Safety and, uh, new experiences. What's that word? No, 
whatever the word is for new experiences. New. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you have to have the two. You have to be feel safe, right. and you have to have something new. And then the, the brain can re- rewire itself. Mm-hmm. And so the conscious work you're doing can only do so much if you don't go down and fix the stuff that your brain's trying to redevelop. Uh-huh. And and that's why stuff like Reiki, acupuncture, all those kind of things are so beneficial because they're working at that deeper level, which is where actually the trauma is stored, yeah. what you were saying. Yeah. yeah, they found that, you know, the stress, like consistent stress, it prevents the dendrites of those neurons to reach out and connect with each other. It mm-hmm. also, you know, impacts the telomeres and the, the DNA, you know, and shortening them, which causes illness and aging and all that stuff so you know when we have security especially in a relationship Mm -hmm. that's when we can really create that healing right that healing space my healing accelerated just off the charts after he and i passed maybe the six month mark and it was, I was already healing. I'd already reached that conclusion. Like, this is, I need to own my shit. I need to work on me. I am the teller of my story. No one has control over me. They're, I'm not going to allow anything or anyone to have power over me anymore. And we didn't meet that first day knowing that we shared that story. That came out. Except both little, of your frequencies had shifted. Not consciously. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's exactly what I was getting right. at. So we didn't meet knowing that. But once that came out, and it was a genuine thing. So I'd met other survivors before, and uh, not thrivers, survivors for sure. <laughs> and there just wasn't that feeling of this is safe. And this is going forward. So that stagnant energy is really toxic. It's really, really toxic. And when you find someone who, or you meet someone, or you enter a relationship with someone who does not have the motivation to make change, it doesn't matter how much you have in common. Right. And so he had entered this point in his adulthood it was <laughs> shortly after your aha moment right babe mm-hmm. maybe maybe uh, within the year was it that he he was like "Woo, the sun is out i met him we already know had we met prior to that moment we wouldn't have gone anywhere yeah, i don't think because so. i was well, actively mm-hmm. working on bettering yeah. myself and it was really fucking hard mm. it was hard right. and there's only so much that people can support you you've got to do the work mm-hmm. yourself But it came out that we were on that same path as well, and we were just able to show what I like to call divine support. Mm -hmm. And there is a whole lot of truth to that unconditional love. We had to be really super unconditional with one another and, and really, really step up to plate, like take one for the team sometimes so we could overcome some of those like we're here, we're doing it. We, we there's self love, there's self acceptance and respect and compassion, but there's still that backlash of trauma that comes out. Oh sure, you know? there's and still going to be triggers, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, triggers and yeah. patterns. Yeah, yeah. that you're yeah. used to that. Also, you get triggered, and it's like, right. oh, this pattern is here. This is what I'm going to yeah. do. And right. you can't and you can't a- successfully work through a trigger with someone who's not willing to al- allow you that right. space. It's really interesting to listen to you guys talk because. In our history, we both went through the toxic stuff and met same time, right? Um, and now 20, almost 23 years in, mm-hmm. um, through menopause, 
Mm-hmm. It all comes up at a different level. And the work that we do in Couple Synergy is we actually teach a formula so that you can learn how to heal your partner. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are talking about this individual work and this individual work, and that is absolutely the foundation of everything. If you're not doing your own work, you're never going to even get to a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But even once you're in a healthy relationship, nobody teaches you how to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And No, I mean, the level what, of what we do is understanding so that mm-hmm. you guys have to get to in understanding each other's triggers and being able to recognize it mm-hmm. in the moment when mm-hmm. it's happening and then be able to apply this emotional first aid for each other. Yeah. I mean, that is so dynamic. It's like just like super level type of work here, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow, that's really amazing. Yeah. One of, one of the things we tell everyone is the person sitting next to you is the person who could hurt you the most. Oh, yeah. And heal you the most. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know? And so I'm so glad you guys found each other. It's very, very cool. Thank How'd you. you guys get engaged? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, it, it's not it's not the most exciting story, to be honest. It, it never is, by so, the way. It, you know. the, the, yeah. The, the yeah. true engagement. So we're going to... The true engagement is very exciting. We had two. Okay. There were two moments, right? I'm thinking of the bad one. Okay. Well, okay. So Wait, let him tell the bad one, then you tell the good one. The, or, is, or are they intertwingled? They're, they're not. But I just want to say he will tell the story because he tells it best. But my family, no one knows the story. So no one, no one has heard the bad well, story. They will now. Rhonda yeah. knows. Does she? Yeah, Rhonda Were knows. we drunk we told, one day? Yeah, Maybe we, we were drunk one day. <laughs> we told mom. No. So, uh, so I decided I was going to pop the question. I ended up getting getting this ring. Now, the whole time she was like, "I don't, I don't want, I want this one ring." It was like one hundred and forty dollars. I want this ring, whatever. Like that was just her mindset on it. She's like, "I don't want this whole thing, whatever." No so, diamonds. Yeah, so I went out and ended up getting something that had diamonds around it, but it was a ruby ring, mm-hmm. and I had it on my person, and I was like like nervous or whatever, but I had it like in my pocket, and we were at home, and she was in the kitchen just doing the dishes and you know, do whatever. And I'm like, I had, I'm like, I'm trying to move the ring so that it doesn't, I'm like, where could I put it? And I put it in my, like, I think I put it in, I don't know if it was my Your jacket hoodie, pocket, my hoodie, hoodie pocket. pocket. And I had my hands in my pocket and she stopped doing the dishes and she turned around and like, I tried to, hug she it. tried to put her hands in my pocket and I, don't touch my face. I tried to hug you. I tried to slide my hands around you and he didn't reciprocate. And I felt that was weird. So she, um, yeah. So she was like, what, like what's going on or whatever. And it was just like, I was like, well, (laughs) so there I went and I busted out the ring and like right there, you know, in the kitchen with her hands wet for doing the the dishes and all that stuff. And the kid was home and he was running down the stairs and it was just like the worst possible timing (laughs) ever. And I think it's important to know that it wasn't when I was hands-free hugging him. I turned back and I had my hands in the soapy, dirty dishwasher. Your hands. (laughs) And he's like standing right next to me and I'm like, we're in my space. (laughs) What is going on right now? Yeah, it was just terrible timing on my part. It It was terrible. I bombed really bad but she said yes and did you <laughs> turn around and ask her did you get on one knee what'd you do uh i uh i i got down on my knee and i asked her if she would grow old with me 
and and she said she said yes that she would and and then i said but we have to talk about this later yeah because the kid was right there so it was like <laughs> it was just such bad timing on my part it was terrible what did he think who the son, your son he didn't see it he didn't he was like see it, but it was it was distracting yeah, you know you was... don't think you're gonna be proposed to when you're washing dishes <laughs> and you're in your pajamas and then and then <laughs> i think it dishes. yeah and i think there's something to be were said you using about, palm olive <laughs> i don't know i don't know but my hands were soapy hands <laughs> and he and, and then he i can't remember exactly what he said but he was explaining the ring to me he's like this is not the official ring and i kind of was like Wait, so is this what, not is the this, official? Is this what, it? Is, is this not? Like, what? like, what's going on right now? Why wasn't it official? <laughs> um, well, it wasn't the official actual ring itself because I wanted to get her a nicer one. He he wanted so, diamonds one. and I did I got, not want diamonds. Yeah, I, I, got, I got one that was like, like okay i guess but it wasn't what i what i wanted you know what i mean basically so, he wanted to cuff me and get that cuff, get, cuff me <laughs> he went, that's what he calls my wedding ring now is a cuff it's he a wanted cuff. to he wanted to he calls it a finger cuff <laughs> so he wanted to cuff me and just that's get funny. that done and then we'd go and he'd force me to wear a diamond ring that's what it was and so what you got on Show the I'm camera. wearing I'm wearing a diamond ring. Oh. <laughs> well, he it, had his it way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so yeah. So that's how it went down. I don't know what she was thinking, saying yes to me, but I'm so glad she Where's did. Where's your ruby ring? Uh, it's at home. It's so it's too big. I wore it on my middle finger for a long time <laughs> until this one came along. But yeah. So um, yeah. So that's how that went down. But uh, what's you know the what? second one? So the second one was more, well, so the second one happened when we told everyone because no one knew at that point with the ruby ring on my middle finger. <laughs> and, and we didn't get to the point where he was angry at me that night that he proposed to me. He, he was upset because of the way I responded. I had expectations and I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> expectations. And we were watching That'll a movie it. with the little one and he would not. We're super physically affectionate. We're always touching one another and looking at. And he just wanted nothing to do with me. And me, I'm, I have to be a, a, you know, I have to create that space for my little one that he doesn't understand or know that there's something going on. So it's just, okay, when he goes to bed, we'll talk about this. And, and we talked and I was able to explain why I was like, I didn't think he was being serious. You know, I, and, and I know that he that didn't sound, have the right ring. I was such a well, jackass. Well, no, no, you know? no. In my mind, that didn't matter. But he seemed to think he didn't because he, oh, he mentioned this yeah. is not the official ring. And I guess my expectations were I wouldn't have been doing dishes, you know, <laughs> and he didn't mean for that to happen either. It's just, he got caught off guard, blah, blah, blah. So we didn't tell my family about that. And then a few it, months later, hello family. Yeah. <laughs> a few months later, um, we, <laughs> we were like, so what, let's like, let's start talking about this. And we were talking on the phone and he was driving to work and I was at home. It was like five in the morning and he's like, well, Let's do it like for real, for real. So we talked about it, but it wasn't like official, you know? Yeah. And he FaceTimed me and he's like, will you marry me on fa on FaceTime? You know, was he in like the other room? Or no, something? he was driving. To oh, work. he was driving. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Were you doing dishes? 
I was not. Oh, what were you doing? <laughs> I was just sitting on the couch. Nice. Like, you know, I don't even remember. Just I was on the couch. <laughs> and I was like, of course. And then it was official. Then it was, you know, Facebook official. Then we went shopping for rings. FaceTime and, official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, then it became a known thing. Because so you guys known. met through the internet and got oh, engaged the through internet. the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The world we live in. Couple. You, you got know. you got married in person though, right? Yeah. We yeah. <laughs> well, oh, well, twice. we have a story. <laughs> twice. We Let's hear stories. it. You got married twice. Yeah. So before before we tell this story, so family knows, uh-huh. but there aren't a lot of my friends. Most none of my friends who are at the wedding know this. So ta-da! You're gonna know now. So we 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 got we had the wedding, the big wedding on March. 24th that was for all of the family year. and everyone of, of this year um of this year yeah oh wow yeah so. okay but there was something recently that was this year that so was- this week was our three-year that we met anniversary we got is that made- what you guys went out for yeah okay this week. okay but in march of this year we had the big beautiful wedding it was gorgeous all of our friends and family had the first commune you know but that was our one year anniversary. So we yeah. did. Oh. Yeah. And we yeah. didn't, we didn't Scandalous. tell, we didn't tell anyone except for a few people that were, that, that like had to know. Detrimental. And yeah. my, and my maid of honor. Um, so there was a few people that knew, but very few, but that was because we didn't want to ruin the wedding for my parents. The family. What, what was, what was your thought process of why having the first one and then the second one? Money. Oh. Insurance. Yeah, yeah, we had. Mm. Uh, I have really oh. great insurance through the union, mm-hmm. and so we were sitting there and we were talking about everything, and it was like we were trying to save money f- to pay for the wedding and do all that stuff, and um, we were gonna end up saving if we got married and and got the insurance squared away, then we were gonna save like almost five hundred bucks a month. That's a big factor. That's huge. Yeah. Yes, we've That's heard other couples like not want to get married because they're gonna take on someone else's student loan debt yeah right like it's gonna be factored in and they yeah. have to pay more yeah finances are a really big yeah. part of all that in today's day and age yeah it, yeah. It, yeah. it absolutely so, is so we talked about it and um you know at first she was a little bit like against it kind of like no i you know i want it to be the, like the day of and this and that and i said listen if that's what you really want then that's what we'll do but just understand 500 dollars a month is a lot of money yeah mm-hmm. so and then she went and talked to a few of her friends and they were like yeah i would do that and <laughs> so she came back I think maybe like a week later or so and was like and it was a week before our wedding date yeah and we wanted to do it on the day that we were getting married the following year so we had a week to plan a wedding (laughs) yeah we had our wedding we we ended up we actually got married at uh the downtown river walk in naperville Mm -hmm. on the bridge yeah so we had like a 10 minute window it was kind of chilly out that day where nobody came by yeah and we got married on the on the middle of the bridge there in downtown naperville was really great that's a quick ceremony yeah Yeah. Yeah. my um my best friend who was my maid of honor both times her and her husband were there and her husband's sister who i'd met numerous times because of their wedding it was our officiant so it was my best friend and her husband the officiant and her husband, the six of us went out to eat. We just had a great time. And then we had the same officiant marry us at the... Um, the formal wedding. The mm-hmm. formal That's wedding, nice. yeah. And a week after the wedding, I just couldn't take it anymore. We had to tell my parents. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we didn't want them to find out yeah. Right. in yeah. another way. Or somehow. in a podcast or something. Yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> so you never know, right? So, there are going to be yeah. a lot of people who are like, what? So, so they were, they were, at first they were like, what? 
Like, so it wasn't even real. They said <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't real. Even real. So I told him a few days, a few days prior, we knew it was coming. As soon as we are with them next, we are telling them. And I said, my mom is going to go and my dad's going to go and his, his forehead's going to wrinkle. And that is exactly what happened. And honestly, they're going to hear this. This I've already said it to them. They both had a little bit of a look of disappointment. Like they, mm. you know, a little bit. And then I immediately felt guilty. And I'm like, listen, this is why. You cried, Rhonda. And then my dad and I had a, we, um, a choreographed dance. Yeah. And I said, you were so happy every week going and we took lessons and like, it would have been different. And my dad said, you know what? You're right. Like it would have been different for me. And then after that, everything softened. And I was like, shit, am I in trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Well, cause we've, we've heard of other people that, uh, you know, that got married and everybody knew, but then they had to form a wedding a year later or so. Right. Right. And people were like, oh, who gives a shit? Like they're already married. Yeah. Yeah, So we 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 didn't didn't want to take that away from people. Yeah. Again, expectations, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. we actually podcasted a couple that got married because he enlisted, mm-hmm. and so you know, I mean, it's it's really very important. Luke be able and to, Ashley, Luke yep. and Ashley, be yeah. able to be on base and you know benefits, all of that stuff, and then had the wedding the a year later, a, a year later, yeah, a year later, right? Which we went to, which was lovely. Oh, <laughs> ours was a year to and the her day, dad so didn't it was know. Nice. Oh, the moms yes. knew, but not the dads. Yeah. yeah. I can understand. Like, I can't imagine our older son, Lewis, who's in the Marines. He's he's in the military. He. Thank you for your service, Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He. I can't imagine him getting married and not telling me, and then like having a wedding and telling me later. Like, I have pretty awesome parents, though. So they're, you know, they're like, all right, we can we can gel with this. Now it's a now it's a joke when we're all yeah. together. Like, <laughs> you know, what's. What, what did two engagements, they, two weddings. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. well, we were telling them about it. They thought we were going to tell them that I was pregnant. That she was pregnant. So, <laughs> I was like, no. like, no. Do you guys want more kids? No, I've had my tubes tied. Okay. So, and that was a conversation we had early on as well. You know, like to me, it was important to know what he really felt about that. You know, how did I'm, you make that decision? Um, and how old were you? I made that decision two days after I gave birth to my younger son, mm-hmm. I was still in a relationship with his dad. Um, not the best relationship, you know, and, um, so I not the same anymore. day you waited two days and had a really big surgery. Well, no. So I actually had the procedure when my son was three months old, Okay, but I made, made that decision, decision as soon as he was born. Like I'm, I, I just don't, again, I was still in that place where I wasn't, honoring myself so much but what i did know is i didn't want to have any more children yeah and um that was my way to ensure that and he knew that right away i'd say within a couple of days of us meeting and i'd say before he moved in um but after we were official we we talked about that one night because it's reversible but I don't really, um, it's not, not your safe. decision. Yeah, yeah. Like I just, mm-hmm. and, and he was really wonderful. He said, whatever is meant for me is going to be for me. And I, if it's you and your children are my children, that's wonderful. If it's, if it, if that doesn't work and it's someone else and I have my own, that's okay. Like I'm going to accept whatever it is. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like he's a keeper, right? 
and that, yeah, that's so a huge thing. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just looked at it as, um, you know, Fabian is Lewis is going to the Marine Corps, so he wasn't really going to be around. So I wasn't going to have that much like of an impact on him um, in terms of that. He's much older, but Fabian is, you know, was four years old at the time, and and I knew I still have like a number of years to make an impact, and so I was going to treat him as my own, and yeah. and I didn't have to change any shitty diapers, so yeah, <laughs> right. bonus, it worked out okay, you know, so Score. no potty training, yeah, that right. fun yeah. stuff. Do you, do you so. find that interesting? It just dawned on me that you met Fabian at the same age that you went through your trauma. I I do find that interesting, and I also find it interesting that he reminds me a lot of me in terms of personality. Like, as I was a kid, he has a lot of the same um, tendencies, mm-hmm. um, and so it helps me to help him better because I'm I can relate to him in in a, in a greater level, mm-hmm. um, and so we talk about certain things mm-hmm. like that as well like you know anybody hurting him or anybody like touching him wrong or anything like that right like, he he's well aware of what's going on what's okay and what's not mm-hmm. now the messed up thing about trauma is that sometimes it gets buried so that you would never know until the person is older and mm-hmm. ready to cope with something like that mm-hmm. um but in terms of doing everything that i possibly can to ensure that you know, uh, something like that doesn't happen to him or that he's prepared to do whatever is needed to do in case something like that were to happen is an important factor for me. Well, also, you know, in helping him, you're also kind of helping yourself Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that younger part of yourself heal, which Mm -hmm. is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's always, uh, there's always learning and teaching, right? You know what I mean? There's learning and learning and there's learning and teaching. So it it just, it's all relative to who you are and how you approach those things. Uh, I kind of approach martial arts in the same way. You know, Mm -hmm. if you, if you win, then you learn less than if you get your butt kicked. Now you've got some things to think about. So mm-hmm. either way you learn, either yeah. way you learn, you don't, you don't really lose. You either win or you learn. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel you also have a soul connection to your kids? I, I do very much. So I, I feel, um, uh, very much at home and like connected. Um, you know, it, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous feeling. I'm very, very happy and I'm very fortunate and I'm very appreciative of everything that I have in my life, you know? Um, and that, that comes from a place of, um, you know, life could have gone a million different ways for me. And it almost did many times. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be where I am today after everything I've been through is just absolutely amazing. And so that makes me very, very happy. It's, it's great. I'm having a great time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. So last question. <clears throat> what is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Hmm. He sacrifices a lot. So there, that's, there's some uh, validity there, you know, the sacrifice. But also he tells me. He tells me. And, um... There's a lot of this, like, so when we look at one another, I can feel that, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, uh, he shows me, he just shows me and everything he does, you know, his small actions, his big actions, lots of, so we're both in the five languages of love. We're both touchers. There's lots of touching 
lots of compromising, lots of keeping space for me where I feel safe. And there's a lot of sacrifice. And for me, I know that sacrifice shouldn't be maybe a marker, but for me, I feel with him that's a marker because I was a package. Mm-hmm. So. And there's other people that didn't sacrifice enough for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I feel like, um, especially earlier on, like her patience really um, helped set the standard and helped me to be able to go outside of my patterns of distrust and previous experiences. And, um, and some of the things that, that I did earlier on when it came down to trust that were pattern based and she, um, she really helped me with that. And so that's helped like develop me in a different way and, and come up with different skills and develop different skills and, and different, you know, ways of, being able to cope with that, like just help me be more balanced to know that even though I'm screwing up, she's, she's got my back and she's not going to hold it against me. Mm. And so her patience really shows me, um, that she loves me very much. Cause you know, like I said, especially early on, not, not that she, I'm not saying earlier on because she's lost patience since then. <laughs> Please don't, <laughs> don't misconstrue that uh, point. I'm saying earlier on because earlier on I was, utilizing maybe more of my patterns, those automated responses to some of the things that were going on. And since then I've developed, but that has been possible because of her patience and her love. So, um, yeah, her patience is amazing. She, she, that's really an inspiring thing. (laughs) Patience has been a learned skill for me. Uh, I'm not the best at it. I'm not always the most patient, but, um, she really inspires me with that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really, um, one of the biggest things yeah and you know as you guys keep each other in a place of safety in the world it'll get better and better Mm -hmm. and deeper and deeper and it's really wonderful relationships Mm -hmm. are amazing Mm -hmm. if they don't suck (laughs) if they don't suck little caveat that was great (laughs) guys we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today this has been a a, quite an honor for us thank you thank you thanks for having us we appreciate it and uh uh, all the best and all the success to you guys. You guys are doing a great, great job and mm-hmm. helping people, and that's amazing. And we're, I think, we're along those same paths as well. Mm. Even though you know they say all all roads lead to Rome, so she has her way, I have my way. You yeah. guys have your way, yeah. but essentially, I think we're all dealing with human potential. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. Right so uh, it's awesome to meet you guys. Yeah, yeah. Nice to meet nice you guys to meet too. You too. <laughs> Thanks for having us on, and we appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. You know, we get wounded through relationship and we heal through relationship. And human beings have been sharing their stories for thousands of years to heal, bond, and grow. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couple's Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded 
edited and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. <laughs>